Good morning, a blessed Sunday to all. Today, as we continue with our sermon series on Genesis, we will be studying and learning about the story and life of Joseph. You know, if we turn the story of Joseph into a Netflix series, it has all the elements to becoming a box office success. You have action, crime, drama, mystery, and suspense, probably even outranking crash landing on you in the top 10 trending. You know, one thing that catches my attention was the way Moses no, would give the story of Joseph more space and more time in Genesis than any other character, including Adam, Noah, or even the patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Did you know that Moses allotted 13 chapters to the Joseph story, which is about 26%, or one-fourth of the total book of Genesis? Today, as we look into the life of Joseph, the two questions that we're going to answer, what really is the story of Joseph? And ano ngayon? How can we correlate the story of Joseph with COVID-19? with the enhanced community quarantine, with the hardship and difficulties everyone is experiencing. For us to be able to answer those questions, let's revisit the story of Joseph. The family of Jacob settled in the land of Canaan, in the valley of Hebron. Joseph, the main character of our story, was only 17 years old and was involved in one of the oldest profession in the world, a shepherd. They were taking care of their sheep and together with his brothers. And coming back from work, Joseph brought a bad report to his father. Alam nyo, when we were discussing the bad report during our family devotion, we initially concluded that Joseph was guilty of being a psychophant, or in Tagalog, sipsip. So I said, before we render such a bad report on Joseph, I asked them, did you remember before Papa and Mama would used to ask you to check on Ahia, whether he was doing his assignment, studying, or playing? Dota. And did you recall, most of the time, you would give us a true account of what Ahia was doing, though it was a bad report. The same is true for Joseph. He was a teen, and he, but he was a person of integrity. He was a faithful son and a responsible steward. It was more probable that he was not maligning his brothers, but giving his dad an accurate and true story of what was happening while they, they were taking care of their sheep. Sadly, Joseph's duty alienated him from the rest of his brothers. Then it says, Jacob loved Joseph more than any of his brothers because he was the son of his old age. When you show partiality or bias against someone, when a person gives more preference to one over another, that's favoritism. Jacob obviously showed favoritism to both his wives and children. Jacob loved Rachel 
more than Leah. It was clear especially when you recall the time when Jacob was about to meet Esau, his brother. He intentionally positioned his concubines, Silva, Silpha, and Bilha, together with their children, Saharap, followed by Leah and her children, Salikudnila, and rounding up the rear were his favored wife and son, Rachel and Joseph. The idea was, if something bad would happen, there was enough time for Rachel and Joseph to run and find shelter. And because he was the firstborn son of his true love, that's another reason why Joseph was his favorite son. Now, not only was Joseph the favorite son, but he was the only one who received a special gift from his dad, a robe of many colors. Now, how can I describe this? What's the significance? Well, the ESB called it the robe of many colors. In other Bible translations, it's described as a multicolored tunic or a special robe with long sleeves. Actually, the literal meaning of this robe of many colors is it's a very colorful robe with their sleeves aabot na sa ating mga palms or wrists and the length of the garment would almost touch the floor. This multicolored tunic is commonly worn by people of the upper ranks. And so what's the significance of this robe? Well, since this robe is commonly worn by people of the upper ranks, number one, when you're wearing this beautiful and costly robe, you're not expected to do hard labor because it's like wearing a, uh, a tailored suit and asking that person to pedal a sidecar. So when Jacob gave that robe to Joseph, it's like saying, son, put on that beautiful robe because you don't have to work like your brothers. Second significance, it was normally given to the firstborn son, which in this case should be Reuben. But because she slept with one of Jacob's concubine and dishonored his father, he was no longer the firstborn. And last, it's a sign that the wearer of the robe is the one the father intends to be the future leader of his household. Playing favorites, choosing Joseph over his older brothers to lead Jacob's household are some of the reasons why they hated him and could not speak shalom or peacefully to him. But the animosity between Joseph and his brothers didn't stop there. When Joseph shared his dream, they hated him even more. But wait, sabi ni Joseph, meron pang isa. I still have another dream. And sharing it again to his brothers and father, the brothers became jealous. Jacob rebuked him, but at the same time, he also kept it in his heart what Joseph shared. In the Old Testament, God would communicate his special revelation in different form. And in this case, dream. In a dream, God announced to Abraham that his descendants will be in Egyptian bondage. In a dream, God promised protection and prosperity to Jacob in the land he promised Abraham and Isaac. 
In a dream, God revealed his future plan to Joseph that someday he will lead the whole household of Jacob. Well, days later, Jacob instructed Joseph to check on his brothers and their flocks at Shechem. Ang sabi nga niya, see if they are well. In Tagalog, tignan mo nga kung okay yung mga kuya mo. Why would Jacob say that? No? Natignan mo kung maayos yung mga kapatid mo. Well, Jacob bought a piece of land at Shechem. But it was quite surprising that he would instruct his son to go to that place because that was the very place where his daughter Dina was raped. That was also where Simeon and Levi avenged their sister by killing all the men, all the men, and raiding their homes and property. Maybe after the brothers left for Shechem, Jacob suddenly realized it. Nako, ba't ko sila dinal doon? And wanting to see if his sons were all right, asked Joseph to check on his brothers. But when Joseph reached the place, he could not find them. Then an unnamed person approached Joseph and told him, Narinig ko, pupunta sila ng dotam eh. Joseph traveled from the valley of Hebron to Shechem, which was about 50 miles or 80 kilometers. For you to have an idea of how long 80 kilometers is, it's around a little less than the North Luzon Expressway. And when he reached Shechem, their brothers were not there. So he had to go from Shechem to Dotam, which is around 15 miles or 24 kilometers, which is equivalent to the length of the whole stretch of Edsa. And he has to travel by foot or camel on a hot and rugged terrain. Well, upon nearing Dotam, the situation was about to turn for the worse. Seeing Joseph from afar, all the brothers were already planning no, to murder Joseph. Maybe all those years of witnessing how Jacob treated Joseph with favor had taken its toll. Alam nyo ba, sibling rivalry goes back nearly to the beginning of time. You have Cain and Abel, Ishmael and Isaac, Leah and Rachel, Esau and Jacob, Joseph and his brothers. And in those instances, it led one or both siblings making a wrongful or wicked action. The brothers' plan was plain and simple. Kill the dreamer and the dream. Reuben, the eldest, wanted to save him, and he was partially successful. He was able to persuade the rest not to kill Joseph and to throw him into the pit, as Reuben plans to rescue him later. Now take note, huh? the very first thing they did when Joseph arrived, they stripped him of his robe. The symbol of favoritism, the symbol of being the favored son, and they threw him into the pit. A pit or a cistern is like an underground water tank with a small opening na kasha naman yung taong pumasok doon. Well, even though they did not raise a finger to kill him, their plan remained the same. Let him die. But this time, he'll die of thirst because there was no water in the pit. Now, 
the brothers were taking their sweet time. No, they were having their lunchtime break when they saw from afar what we might call today a rolling store. Now, these caravans were managed and operated by the Ishmaelites and Midianites traders. And Judah came up with a brilliant idea, no? hitting two birds with one stone. Their hands will be innocent of their brother's blood, and they would come home with money in their pockets. Sabi niya, benta na natin si Joseph. And they all agreed. They sold the dreamer for 20 shekels. Alam niyo ba, 20 shekels the equivalent no, of a handicapped slave. Ganong kabargain ang benta nila kay Joseph. And so Joseph was on his way to Egypt. When Reuben came back and saw the pit was empty, he tore his clothes. He was grieving, but at the same time afraid. Because being the eldest, he feared that Jacob would blame him. Ikaw kasi, ikaw yung panganay, but ano nangyari kay Joseph? And so the brothers collaborated and they hatched a plan. First, kill a goat. Second, dip the tunic in goat's blood. Third, show it to dad. When the brothers brought the robe laden with blood to Jacob, he concluded that a wild beast killed Joseph. Jacob also tore his clothes and mourned for many days. The action or reaction of Reuben and Jacob was the first time tearing of clothes was mentioned in the Bible. This outward act is associated with mourning, with grief or loss. It also expresses pain and sorrow. Now, the rest of Jacob's family tried hard to comfort Jacob, but he refused to be consoled. As a father, I cannot help but wonder what was going through his mind that very evening. Probably he was tossing and turning on his bed. Probably he was wondering, why? Bakit ko pa pinadala si Joseph to check on his brothers? This chapter ends with Joseph being sold to the household of Potiphar, who was a high-ranking officer in Egypt. The end. And so, as we conclude today's sermon on the story of Joseph, we're now going to answer the question I asked earlier. What really is the story of Joseph? Ano ba talaga yung tunay na storya ng ating kwento? Well, the real story of Joseph is this. The providence of God accomplishes his per promise. Let me repeat that. The real story of Joseph is the providence of God accomplishes his promise. Now, we always hear of divine providence, no? But how do we define it? Well, divine providence is defined as God's governing the affairs of men and working through the natural order of things to make sure that his plans and his purposes are fulfilled. And when I said that to my wife and my children, ang sabi nila, Papa, nosebleed yan. Pwede simple lang. And so, let me try to give it a shot. A simple definition of what divine providence is. An emphasis on simple. God allows us to make choices, whether it is good or bad. Yet God has the ability to accomplish his plans and purpose.
With God, there is no such thing as it just so happened. Coincidence. Suerte. Chamba lang. Because we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God and to those who are called according to his purpose. He is never caught by surprise because God knows the end from the beginning. Think about it. Did it just so happen that the brothers who were supposed to feed the sheep at Shechem, instead they went to Dotam? Suerte ba or mala si Joseph when he met an unnamed person in Shechem who overheard that his brothers were on their way there? Nagkataon lang ba that Judah came up with the brilliant idea of, killing, of selling instead of killing Joseph? Chamba lang ba that Dotam was part of an international trade route that goes all the way to Egypt? And was it just a coincidence that the traders were also on their way to Egypt. In each of this question, and in each of these occasions, everyone made a choice, whether it was good or bad, yet God has the ability to work through, to work through them and accomplish the purpose and plans he has for Joseph. That's divine providence. Let me share with you a story, no? Never in our wildest imagination would my wife and I imagine serving in the same ministry, much so the couple's ministry. We were the perfect example of what a couple should not be. But God was slowly weaving his ways. Before my graduation, alam nyo ba, there were quite a number of classmates in my school and couples in our church who were seeking, listening, and following my advice in the relationship, I was surprised when they would approach me months later and thank me. I didn't give much thought about it until I shared that to my mentor, who told me, Benson, be sensitive, huh? Maybe God is leading you to a different ministry. Well, after that, I prayed about it, and I said, Lord, if it is your plan, that Ching and I would serve in the couple's ministry, then you have to convince my wife first. Because how can I serve the couple's ministry by myself? To cut the long story short, well, did it just so happen that I listened to my mentor to be sensitive to God's leading? Nagkataon lang ba that Ching had a change of heart and agreed to join me in the same ministry? Was it just a coincidence that when we attended an appreciation party for volunteers, I was introduced to the pastor in charge of the couple's ministry. Again, it's divine providence. God allowed Ching and I to make choices, whether those choices were good or bad, but God again has the ability to accomplish his plans and purpose for us. Now, aside from divine providence of God, it's also about God's promises. For us to understand the providence of God, first, we need to understand the God of providence. Ang lalim, no? But actually, what he means is this. For us to be able to understand the providence of God, we need to know who God is. And let me share with you at least tatlo lang, three attributes of God. Number one, God is omnipresent which means that all the time 
he is present. Second, he is omniscient, which means that God knows the past, present, and future. And last, God is faithful, which means he always, always keeps his word. Now, God's promises are not casual promises we often make. Like, oh, sige, I promise to pray for you, ah, pero isang best lang, makakalimutan natin. Or, we promise, hindi ko na uulitin yun. Pero, we continue to repeat that. When God makes a solemn promise, they are rock solid. We are fully assured. Imagine this. Imagine if God is put in a courthouse and He is asked to take a stand. At tatayo siyang ganun, no? I swear to tell the truth and nothing but the truth, so help me, me. He swears to himself because there is no one greater to swear by. In Numbers 23, 19, God is not a man, so he does not lie. He is not human, so he does not change his mind. Has he ever spoken and failed to act? Has he ever promised and not carried it through? God made a unilateral, unilateral promise with Abraham, the great-grandfather of Joseph. By unilateral, what I mean is the responsibility or burden of fulfilling that promise is rests solely on God. No? Siya lang ang may responsibility. And remember this, God is dependable. If he says it, he will do it. What was God's promise to Abraham? In Genesis chapter 12, verse 2 to 3, he says, I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and those who curse you will be cursed. And in you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. And this is where we all come in. The recipients of the last statement, that in Abraham, all the families of the earth will be blessed. Then God made a formal or solemn promise to Abraham as well. He says in Genesis chapter 15, verse 12 to 16, sabi niya, Know for certain that your offspring will be sojourners in a land that is not theirs, and will be servants there, and they will be afflicted for 400 years. But I will bring judgment on the nation that they serve, and afterward, they shall come out with great possessions. And as for yourself, you shall go to your father in peace, and you shall be buried in a good old age, and they shall come back here in the fourth generation, for the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet complete. And you know what? All the things that the Lord promised to Abraham came to pass. The Israelites were in a foreign land for 430 years. After a new pharaoh came to power, one who did not know Joseph, he started to treat the Israelites harshly. The Lord used Moses to judge the Egyptian with ten plagues. When the Israelites were about to leave Egypt, the Egyptians agreed to let them take their gold, silver, and clothing. And God fulfilled his promise that they will inherit the promised land during the time of Joshua. The story of Joseph shows us that God is always faithful in fulfilling his promises. 
God's promises may take longer than we anticipated it to be, or it may look different than how we expected it, because God's thoughts are not our thoughts. Neither are our ways His ways. But He will always do what He promised, because the real story of Joseph is the providence of God accomplishes His promise. Now, going to our second question, how can we correlate the story of Joseph no? with the ECQ, with the hardship and difficulties everyone is experiencing? Again, by instilling in our heart the providence of God accomplishes His promise. Alam nyo ba, providence is best seen from hindsight. Pag natapos na yung event na yun, pag tinignan natin, ay providence ni God pala yun. The story of Joseph started out with a beautiful dream and then it became a roller coaster ride. From a favored son to a slave. Then as you move along the rest of the chapters, from overseer of Potiphar's household to being in prison. From being in charge of all the prisoners to being forgotten. But in the end, the providence of God accomplishes his purpose for Joseph. From being a forgotten prisoner to meeting Pharaoh and becoming the second most powerful man in Egypt. And save God's people from famine. When we are aware of God's providential action in our life and His faithful promises, we will be better equipped in handling this quarantine, the difficulties, the pain, and hardship we are currently experiencing in a way that will honor and glorify God. So, let me give you some practical tips on how we can be aware of God's providential action and His faithful promises. Number one, no? remember God's past faithfulness. Alam nyo, all of us have a disease. At ang tawag natin doon is spiritual amnesia or forgetting what God has done in our life. No? Now, I want you to think of past events. And share these stories to your children. Or even you can post it, no? In the Old Testament, yung memorial nila is they would use a big stone. Eh, since karamihan sa atin nakatira sa kondo, hindi kasya yan. So, post it na lang. I-post it mo yung mga past faithfulness ni God sa inyong wall. And you can also do journaling. Number one, re remember God's past faithfulness. Second, focus our minds on the truth of God's word. Fake news perpetrated by the devil. Wag niyong pakinggan yan. Use the sword of the spirit. Use God's word to counter the lies and deceit perpetrated by the devil. Promises of God, no? Nung tinignan ko sa isang website, was around 3,000 plus. In another website, sabi nila, 8,000 plus daw. Anyway, I don't know which is right, but... I have two promises of God that I always treasured in my heart. Number one, Isaiah 41 verse 10. Don't be afraid, for I am with you. Don't be discouraged, for I am your God. 
I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my victorious right hand. And the second is found in Isaiah chapter 43, verse 2. You will pass through deep waters, but I will be with you. You will pass through the rivers, but the waters will not sweep over you. You will walk through fire, but you will not be burned. The flames will not harm you. Again, focus our minds on the truth of God's word. Number three, seek a new perspective. Now, we have to change our lens. Kasi yung lente natin ngayon, puro tayo nega. We cannot go out, no? may curfew, no? hindi tayo makapag-gimmick. But let's take out this negative lens and put on a lens with a new perspective. What providential good came out of this ECQ? I shared this to my Bible study group and they, give, they have given me some good inputs. Some would say they have now more time with God more quality devotion and prayer. Others would say they have more quality time with their spouse and children. For me, actually more talk time with my father. Others had a change of perspective on what's really important, what matters most. No? Hindi yung mga branded bags, branded watches, or the multi-million cars. Some would say not being self-centered they now realize that the world does not revolve around them. And another, hindi ko lang alam kung sip-sip din siya, appreciation of being part of a life group. But that will be number four, seriously. No? I pray that you'll be part of a life group. No? Many life groups meet regularly, some even twice a week. No? Hindi lang puro chika ginagawa namin. No? But we meet to pray for one another, to encourage a husband or a wife, to cheer each other up, to grow together through God's word and life experiences. You know, I heard of a group, of a group ah, and hindi to biro, the mother-in-law is the one who facilitates sa kanyang daughter-in-law and son. Imagine that, no? Mother-in-law, hindi mother-outlaw. Amazing. What, what ECQ can do. Number five, number five, be a lighthouse. Now let me borrow a catchphrase from a newspaper. Best of humanity in the darkest times. Now we can be salt and light in helping others see God's divine providence accomplishes his purpose. Not just through his words, but through what? Acts of kindness, acts of generosity. Even words of encouragement, no? Sa mga tanods natin, no? We can, we, can, we can say to them, Ingat po kayo. Good job. Thank you for your sacrifices. May we all have complete and total confidence in our providential God who promised that nothing and nothing will separate us from His great love. The providence of God accomplishes his purpose. So, as we end our sermon this morning, I'd like to give you a reflection question. In line with practical tip number one, remember God's past faithfulness. 
after our service, probably you can talk around your family and answer this question. How has the Lord guided you from problems that you could not navigate alone in the past? Again, how has the Lord guided you from problems that you could not navigate alone in the past? God bless you.